The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Hey, it feels like the House Chamber in here. Of course, uh, one topic really dominated Beacon Hill this week. And while there's always enough news that we could sit here and chat all day, this is a House Budget Week edition of the State House Takeout. State reps added over $71 million in spending over four days of deliberations this week to their version of the state budget for next fiscal year, which starts on July 1st, uh, more so than ever folks. There was next to no debate in public with all the consequential discussions being held in the private members lounge just off the House chamber. But here to discuss what we did glean from this week is uh, Chris Lasinski, Colin Young, Katie Lannon, and Matt Murphy of the State House News Service. And uh, as I said, it feels kind of like the House chamber in our recording studio here. It's pretty cold because uh, what was talked about in the chamber this week was uh, stuff like the... Uh, what was it, around 60-degree temperature in there? Give or take. Uh, there were quite a lot of blankets visible on the House floor. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, Rep. Smitty Pignatelli um, compared it to a, a polar vortex, and that was a, an on-the-record quote. We heard a lot of off-the-record kind of grumbling and um, attempts to, to warm up over hot tea and hot water, some of the, the, the temperature itself in the chamber being something of a, a debatable point this week, as our, as our colleague Mike Norton wrote. Um, <laughs> one of the few points there was de- debate in public about. And what was some of the other color that we saw in the House chamber this week? Because as we sit there, the news service sits there on the floor for all four days, and with very little discussion out in public, we started noticing some other stuff in there. Well, um, I one of the things that there was quite a bit of talking and tweeting about was the uh, shoes different members were wearing, sparked in part by uh, Rep. Jim O'Day's at least two pairs of sparkly loafers, one gold, one silver. Got to, you know, <laughs> break it up a little bit. Um, there were some shoe comparisons going on. There were lots of lots of candy because there's a, a lot of almost idle time in the chamber while those uh, members lounge meetings are, are going on for everyone to kind of pitch their amendments. Sure. And actually, Jim O'Day's shoes got a shout out in uh, Rep. Michaelwitz's closing speech. Uh, Rep. Michaelwitz is the third chairman of Ways and Means, the budget writing committee that we've seen in three years. So there was some praise for his style, for his approach. Um, Right, Matt, you were there at the very end of budget debate or discussion uh, last night. Yes, several rounds of applause for Chairman Michaelowitz. People seemed to like uh, the process this year. As you mentioned, uh, similar to past years, a lot of this uh, was done in room, uh, the now infamous room 348, which is also the House Members Lounge, where uh, the chairman said that he spent hours, uh, and he said he really enjoyed spending those hours getting to know the priorities of the different members, and uh, he uh, basically ushered this budget through in the same amount of time as last year uh, when Jeff Sanchez, uh, former Rep. Jeff Sanchez, was also working on his budget, and uh, this is a uh, process that has become sort of commonplace for the House over the past uh, decade or so uh, to use these large consolidated amendments and uh, debate them in the back. And, and what we saw with these large earmark, earmark-packed amendments reach the floor, almost all unanimous debates, all uh, unanimous votes, I should say, all week long, very little dissent, and uh, people seemed happy. 
Right, they did. Colin? One thing that I heard from a number of representatives this week um, when I was sort of asking them about how things were going, how the process was going this week, uh, I heard a lot of people say that they thought the budget as it came out of Ways and Means was a good document to begin with and that there really wasn't a whole lot for reps to argue over. So that uh, made things go a little bit smoother. Uh, especially for a first-time chairman, right, Matt? The stage, the stage for a lot of this was obviously set when uh, House Speaker DeLeo said before this whole budget debate and process started that he was going to hold revenue talks uh, over the next few months, and he wanted to have a real revenue tax debate later this year, which sort of took the oxygen out of the first day when they typically debate these tax amendments and revenue proposals. A lot of people withdrew their their proposals, comfortable knowing that uh, you know this would be something that they could return to later in the year. I'm thinking of people like Rep. Mike Connolly of Cambridge, who uh, made a big announcement and kind of tried to get some attention leading up to this week for his proposal to increase the long-term capital gains tax, and then said that he didn't have the votes and kind of quietly withdrew it, knowing that this debate presumably will come later this year. Sure. And Katie, um, you learned a little bit about how things were working inside 348. What's, what's sort of the process inside that room? Yeah, we, um, of course, like most of the public, are are excluded from those meetings. They are private. They're for lawmakers only. Um, And this year was interesting because several of the the newly elected lawmakers um, are are more of a presence on social media, and some of them were taking the time to tweet from those meetings. I think I even saw a couple pictures maybe from within the the members' lounge. Um, And... Essentially, the way it's been explained to us, and if I'm wrong, please reach out to me and let me know what actually goes on in room 348. <laughs> I'd love to see your email. Um, but that, you know, they we know that they call the, the category the amendment topic on the floor, and whether that be education, um, health and human services, things like that, and people kind of the lawmakers come into that room and and make their case. They all sit around almost in a circle, kind of like the way we're recording our podcast now, except instead of rambling about this meeting, I'd be making the case for my earmark or my policy amendment and why I think this is a good idea. And then Colin would go and then Chris would go. And, um, you know, one of the a couple I've heard from a couple lawmakers that it's a really good way to learn about what matters to their colleagues to get to know each other and to get to know the the other parts of the state, um, zoom out a little bit beyond your own district. And then ultimately, who's it up to whether that amendment makes it into the consolidated that gets adopted? Oh, that's uh, that's ways and means, I guess. But ag- again, that that process is something of a, a black box, the, the way it goes from 1370 amendments to only a handful of votes. Right. Colin, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I think an important piece of context uh, when we're talking about these uh, meetings to pack spending into the budget, uh, important to remember also the context that they're they're doing this in. Right now in fiscal year 2019, the state is about $19 million ahead of uh, its expectations on tax collections. And a year ago, uh, at the same time, the state was almost 900 million ahead on tax collections. So certainly uh, um, this year there was a bit of a tighter revenue picture. So maybe a little less appetite to go ahead and really load up on spending. That's why we saw the the House add about 71 million uh, where they could have uh, added about 95 million if they felt the desire to. Because folks are going to be watching next Friday to see 
what are the April revenues, which is a big month. Huge month, Huge month um, and that'll tell us a lot about uh, what the rest of FY19 will be like. And Colin, uh, the House budget does rely on big money coming in uh, over the next fiscal year from Win Everett Casino, so eyes are also going to be on the Gaming Commission, which is something you've been following. Yeah, just a little note that we're still waiting for the Gaming Commission's decision on Win Resorts' suitability. Um, the House budget, though, does assume that in FY20, which starts in July, uh, the state will collect $98 million from that casino on the uh, Mystic River in Everett. So back in 2017, which was the final House budget week under the Brian Dempsey uh, era, uh, that only took two days. Uh, we got a four-day budget week last year with uh, New Ways and Means Chairman Jeff Sanchez, who was voted out in the Democratic primary later that year, uh, and then four days with uh, Aaron Michaelwitz uh, this year. Possibly the least debate we've ever seen, though, in public, where uh, we didn't really uh, even see members of the minority party standing up on issues they have in the past, Matt, like uh, revenue questions. Yeah, the debate has been getting less and less. You're absolutely right. I don't think uh, we can count the number of even Republicans who stood up to to fight a point on one hand. Uh, Rep. Jones, the minority leader who used to get up on a number of issues and, and argue even failing causes, he knew he stood up once this week on the last day, on Thursday, arguing for an amendment that he had proposed to expand a land conservation tax credit that had the support of House Democrats. Uh, Rep. Smitty Pignatelli also spoke in support of that, and it passed unanimously, and that was the one time we heard from House Minority Leader Brad Jones this week. I think another Republican freshman, Rep. Uh, Soder, stood up also on the last day, and his uh, main point was that while uh, there are things that he might do differently, he uh, appreciated the bipartisan nature of the debate. He thanked all his colleagues, including House leadership, and that was the extent of the opposition. Katie? I just want to point out, just as a, as a matter of interest, it's, it's not just us noticing that there's there's less debate this year than other years. I, I had a, a lawmaker pointed out to me, too, but suggested that the reason behind it was just that, you know, the the two parties are working well together. Everyone's getting along. There, there's not a lot of disagreement in this budget. Sure. It's just uh, they're, they're happy with the way things are going. And probably also happy with the way uh, some of those consolidated amendments were coming out with local earmarks sprinkled in to uh, sort of keep everyone appeased. Sure, everyone's a winner. All right, so what did we actually hear about on the floor as far as individual issues? Uh, we heard about, for example, drug pricing, Chris. Yeah, so drug pricing was one of the few topics that uh, actually got any votes against it. There wasn't major debate on the floor. We only heard from two representatives basically explaining what this amendment would do. But I'd say this was one of a handful of instances you could count on one hand when uh, uh, during budget week there were any votes against a measure. Um, basically, this amendment that was overwhelmingly approved um, scales back the governor's proposal on how mass health can go about negotiating drug prices with uh, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing companies. Um, still, you know, allows mass health and the health policy commission to engage in these conversations, but it reduces the ability to hold some public investigatory hearings and completely takes out any legal recourse that the governor had proposed, getting the attorney general involved, holding um, you know consumer affairs hearings, things like 
like that. Uh, three votes against it, 152 in favor of it. So uh, there wasn't a lot of opposition, but just a handful of representatives wanted to make the point that they felt this went too far in, uh, in the words of Rep. Mike Connolly, taking the teeth out of what the governor had originally proposed. Mm. Chris, since this is your your first budget with us, I'm, I'm curious kind of what was it what you were expecting? What what surprised you, if anything? You know, you, you guys have done a, a very good job of preparing me for this, but I, I don't think that... I was looking for praise, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> I, I don't think that anyone who hasn't watched this can really grasp just the full scale of how little seems to be done on the House floor in public view. Um, I would pull four-hour shifts down on the House floor, and maybe 15 minutes worth of that was the House officially in session and not in a recess with lawmakers sitting around waiting for consolidated amendments to come out. And of those 15 minutes, I'd say 10 minutes was recognizing guests and announcing that consolidated amendments were coming out. To Chris's point there, uh, I pulled, Sam, all of the House audio that you chopped up from uh, the whole week. I took all that, downloaded it, put it in my iTunes, got it on my uh, phone, oh, yeah? put the headphones in this morning on really? the T. Yeah, the whole playlist, the, all of the audio chopped up with all the silence taken out yeah. uh, or the silence uh, while they were recessed taken out uh, across the four days, seven hours and about 39 minutes mm. of action. Hmm. On the floor. Um, and Colin, you, it was either you or Katie pulled out a, an autobiography from a former representative. Katie, was that you? And that was back in, in what year that she had very similar thoughts to what we're saying right now? Yeah, that's right. That was um, Barbara Gray's book, A Woman's Ways and Means, um, from <laughs> 2002. And, and she notes then the um, kind of dwindling of debate in the years she'd been in the House, um, making the suggestion that some of the, the newly elected reps around that time were content not to be on the floor during session, to uh, be in their offices, be fundraising, be working in the district. And that, you know, in her recollection, uh, she she had some harsh words about Speaker Finneran every now and then sprinkled in. She said it played into his hands. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting read if you're interested in, you know, history of the Massachusetts House and assuming you're listening to this, you, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> um. Colin, we, we had an individual vote on offshore wind during the session. Yeah, I just think this is an interesting amendment that uh, has also taken the form of a bill here. Uh, but this was something that Speaker Pro Tem Pat had had filed. Uh, she said to get the conversation started that there could potentially be an issue here with uh, the state's next offshore wind procurement. A little bit of history. In 2016, the clean energy law uh, that was passed and signed that authorized offshore wind and hydroelectric procurements uh, had it included in that a provision that each subsequent offshore wind procurement has to be cheaper than the last. And that was done to uh, thinking that the first would be the most expensive one and, and that um, there could be savings down the line. Uh, what's happened is the vineyard wind price came in lower than seems like everyone expected. Uh, and Pat Haddad's now worried that uh, having developers try to beat that price, uh, as the law requires, could discourage competition and that Massachusetts may not get the best project, may not actually get the best price there. So what the House ultimately did was uh, passed an amendment that has some changed language that would set out a process for the Department of Public Utilities to look at price, but price in the context of federal tax credits, inflation, and other incentives uh, to try to 
encourage more competition the next time around, which will be as soon as June. As soon as June. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for all your work this week. And life goes back to normal next week. And then we do it all over again in mid-May with the Senate and look ahead to a lot of override votes in July. And yeah, and we'll see how revenues look next uh, Friday. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.